the world is going through changes. Changes happening at a speed that we have never seen before. This is leading to disruption, chaos, panic, fear, hysteria, and a turbulent economy and marketplace. How do you protect your wealth in a turbulent world? How do you invest for cash flow and alternative assets to escape the rat race in times of uncertainty? How do you decentralize yourself, your family, your community, your business, and your investments to become sovereign and escape the matrix? If you are looking for strategies, tactics, and techniques to escape the rat race and matrix, you are in the right place. My name is MC Lobsher, and this is Cashflow Ninja. This is Cashflow Ninja. I'm MC Lobsher. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode and spending your most valuable resource your time once again with me. I'm joined by legendary investor and speculator, Doug Casey. Doug, great to see you. Uh, likewise. Uh, likewise, MC. I'm, uh, I don't know where I was when we spoke last time, but uh, I'm currently uh, out on the Uruguayan Pampas. Not, not far from the beach, but on the Pampas. How are things down in Uruguay? And I think the last time we had uh, communicated, uh, you were also, uh, you popped into Argentina and Buenos Aires. So maybe you could share what's going on in Uruguay. And, and I think a lot of people will want to know what's going on in Argentina, Buenos Aires, with, of course, <clears throat> Javier Millet's uh, election. Yes. Uh, well, Buenos Aires is just across the Plate River from where I am. And nothing really happens in Uruguay, which is why hundreds of thousands of Argentines have moved over here because they don't like all the drama that uh, uh, Argentina's experienced for many years. But maybe that's going to change now that Millet has been elected in Argentina. And I follow the situation uh, and friends of mine in social clubs that I'm members, uh, a member of in Buenos Aires uh, send me various things that keep me uh, more abreast than I would by reading the mass media. Um, you can't really be sure what's going on, uh, quite frankly, because the, um, the uh, mass media all hate Millet. He's a libertarian. Uh, they're absolutely on the opposite side of everything that he stands for. So um, that's all slanted. And um, what are the facts? As far as I can determine, it's that the young people in Argentina overwhelmingly support Millet. They're fed up with being ripped off uh, and having their standard of living and prospects destroyed by decades of uh, Peronism, Kirchnerism, uh, which is really just uh, a South American variant of Mussolini's uh, fascism. Mussolini he coined the word fascism. Uh, and the fascies is a bunch of rods with an axe in the middle, sign of the state. And uh, Mussolini uh, uh, overtly said, this is all about a public-private partnership between the corporations and the state. Well, that's what fascism is. It's not all about 
jack boots and black uniforms. Those are accidental appurtenances that we get. But um, didn't want to go off on that tangent. But uh, the young people are pretty well fed up with that. Uh, and the supporters of, of the old regime are basically union members. Uh, and, and the unions in Argentina are essentially mafias. Uh, and I mean that literally. They're criminal organizations, quite frankly. And uh, government employees and people that are sucking at the tit of the state one way or another. So answer to the question, how are things going in Argentina? They're turbulent at the moment. But uh, I think it's going to get better. My guess is if he can last for another year or two years, uh, the country will absolutely boom. Absolutely boom. So I feel pretty good about it. We'll see. What is it? What attracted you to Argentina? Because um, you've always you've always had kind of like a footprint there, some property in Buenos Aires. There's a development in La Estanza uh, Cafajete in the Salta province. You've always enjoyed it and liked it there. I mean, what what is it that attracted you? And obviously now with turbulence, great, great time for crisis investing for folks there too, right? Well, people ask me, why'd you go to Argentina? And I used to like to say, still do sometimes, I came for the kangaroos. And people <laughs> say, what? There's no kangaroos in Argentina. And I tell them, yes, I was misinformed. <laughs> but, uh, actually, uh, there's several things that brought me to Argentina. Uh, one of them uh, was the polo, believe it or not. Uh, because I was playing polo for, for many years, and it's the epicenter of polo. So that was an attraction, uh, actually. Uh, but more than that, it's the fact that uh, of all the countries in Latin America, Argentina is the most sophisticated, the most outward-looking, and has by far the best uh, history of free markets and um libertarian ideas. You'd never know it, but that's more, much more than any other country in Latin America. That's the case. It's very outward looking. Uh, and it's beautiful. It's only got 40 million people, and it's the seventh largest country in the world. So a lot of things uh, were attractive about it. Now, I've actually put a lot of money here in Argentina, and um, it's been fun. But so far, it's been a very costly mistake. But but uh, I, I I may yet be, be proven right. I suppose if you uh, hold on to anything long enough, you'll eventually be proven right. So, but it's a pleasant place to hang out. Uh, it is. Love Buenos Aires. Love Argentina. I like Uruguay. Uruguay is very different than Argentina. But uh, I just, you know, the thing is, is that I've felt for years that the United States has been going in the wrong direction for years. And I'm a, an avid reader of history, and it took me a while to figure this out. But um, the U.S. has actually been headed in the wrong direction from a philosophical point of view for well over 100 years at this point. And unfortunately, the uh, trend is accelerating rapidly so that uh, 
you know, the Americans still think that they live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. That, that's all bullshit. It's uh, actually, at this point, uh, just one of 200 countries in the world with somewhat different traditions and practices and so forth. But um, the Constitution in the U.S. really is a dead letter. And the government is actually terminally bankrupt. And uh, the dollar is absolutely no different than any other paper currency in the world today, except that it's more accepted out of practice and convenience and custom. But uh, And the U.S. is riding for a major fall. And the problem is, that it was when the U.S. collapses, it's going to be much more serious than when some other country collapses. Much more serious for a lot of reasons. So um, anyway, I decided that it was prudent to have a crib someplace outside of my home country. And I have a couple. And I feel better about that because bad things can happen anywhere, anytime, kind of unpredictably these days. Great to have options. And Argentina, I think it was great to start there because a lot of people can benefit just from that, the lessons there. I mean, the phrase as rich as an Argentine you know, existed. It was one of the most prosperous countries uh, most wealthiest uh, countries, great culture, great people, and like like you mentioned, and uh, when bad ideas sneak in and get a foothold, it takes a while, but eventually it's it, the those ideas turn into behaviors, and then all of a sudden, uh, the culture changes, and then you know you have you you have government that 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 comes from that, and then before you know it, you're you are in a country that that there's in collapse. And I mean, how many more currency collapses can they stand? So I could see that they've had enough and they were looking for something else. And, you know, bringing in the U.S. into this, it kind of looks similar in the U.S. and then across the world where there's this balance, this fine balance between the wealth gap and wealth inequality, uh, where you have folks that surround the capital of the country that they're in and the networks and they're the closest to the trough and there's a massive amount of capital aggregating right there um, and they get to benefit and the, the scraps aren't even really going into through the rest of the country to the general population. And I mean, and, and bringing into that, you've got this massive wealth inequality gap, massive polarization, and now you've got what, 40 plus selections elections across the world just to play the polarized uh population uh, uh, up against each other to create even more chaos so it looks like um this year the table is set for some fireworks so <laughs> what are some of your thoughts just how you see this play out well i think it will end badly i don't see how it can end well uh in the us the red people and the blue people really hate each other uh, and it's visceral. And I was around during the upsets of the late 60s and the early 70s, when a lot of people have forgotten that there were, in the U.S. alone, there were 4,000 bombings in the U.S. Nobody remembers that, but it happens to be a, a genuine fact. Yeah. Uh, but this time around, it's actually much more serious than it was back then. I think that we're on the uh, ragged edge of a civil war. And uh, as we were 
chatting before, this thing with the border uh, and states lining up pro or con against the, the federal government. Eh, you know, it's not going to be a geographical kind of thing, the way the unpleasantness of 1861 to 1865 was. This is more of a cultural thing. Uh, well, maybe breaking down between cities and the countryside. That's as close as you can get to a, a geographical breakdown. But uh, these are not contiguous political entities, so it's not going to be uh, that kind of a war. But I think it's going to be really scary, and I don't want to be around. The reason I came to uh, Argentina and Uruguay is because it seems to me that the inevitable was becoming imminent. And I've always said I'd rather watch this on my widescreen from a secure location than out my front window in the U.S. And I think it's going to come down to that. With uh, Street Fighting Man playing in the background, right? Uh, my favorite tune, no question about it. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's quite correct. Now, what could be the catalyst that sets it all off? Um, well, right now, what's on people's mind is the uh, massive migrants flowing across the border. And to the best of my understanding, the 8 million, I mean, who knows? Nobody knows what the number is. This is all conjecture. But that seems like a reasonable number. Uh, migrants that have flowed across the border since Biden's been in office, they're mostly, as they say, young males. And young males, tend to get into trouble uh, or, or make trouble. They don't even have to get into it. They bring it with them. So that scares people. Uh, but right now, they're not worried about the financial situation. Stock markets at an all-time high. Bond markets recovered somewhat. Uh, but that could blow up at any time, and people could lose their uh, their life savings, which is pensions and so forth, all oh, stocks and bonds. Uh, the economic situation, uh, I really think that the U.S. has turned into a, uh, well, it's a, a giant welfare state. And, and that's one thing that's drawing all the migrants. You cross the border and you get all kinds of freebies. If I was a young Nigerian, I promise you, I'd do anything I could to somehow get across the American border and get on the gravy train. But... Uh, the economic situation could, uh, could really, really collapse. Uh, the international situation with these wars that America is not just fighting, but provoking. I mean, the U.S., in effect, provoked the war between uh, the Ukraine and the Russians. It really is. They're in back of the whole thing. Uh, this thing between the Israelis and the Gazans, or if you would, between the Jews and the Mohammedans. I mean, the U.S. is in back of all of this, too. Takes more. And now the latest thing with Yemen, uh, what, what the U.S. is doing there, spending one, two million dollar missiles blowing up uh, straw huts in the desert and creating lots of enemies in the process. None of this makes any sense. And of course, the big, the big entree is going to be what happens between China and Taiwan. No guarantees anything will happen, but 
it's quite possible. Uh, so that's just a few of the things. And it all seems to be coming together this year with the election, because it doesn't matter uh, whether Trump wins or doesn't win. There, there are going to be people that are going to say it was rigged. We don't accept it. And uh, will Biden run? No, I don't think Biden will run. The Democrats aren't stupid. So they'll put somebody else uh, uh, in there uh, in the next few months because everybody recognized that uh, Biden's just totally incompetent. I mean, he's, but it doesn't matter. Trump, Trump is the uh, lightning rod here. And if he doesn't win, uh, the red people are going to be sure that it was a fixed election. And I'm of the opinion, yes, it probably will be a fixed election. The Democrats, who are Jacobins, uh, aren't going to give up power now that they have it under any... So, yeah, it'll be a fixed election. And if Trump does win, then these uh, these Jacobins uh, are going to be equally angry. So uh, there's no way out of it, I don't say. I want to take a moment to share something very important right now. Are you trying to figure out how to protect your savings from the banking collapse, which has already started, and the coming financial crisis. Most banks will fail. Deposits that are not insured by the FDIC will be lost, and there will be bank bail-ins. And this collapse in the banking system will lead to chaos in the financial system. Banks also provide loans to real estate investors. So what do you think is going to happen to lending in the event of a banking and a financial crisis. You can be proactive and position your savings to protect it and also have access to it to use it to buy discounted assets by positioning it in your own banking system through the infinite banking concept strategy. Producers Wealth has put together a presentation at yourownbankingsystem.com where you will learn how to position capital outside of the banking system and the Wall Street casino, just like the ultra-wealthy, to protect it and create a pool of tax-free liquid capital to capitalize on the massive opportunity to buy discounted assets, which is coming. You can access the presentation at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. I think in our one of our previous discussions, you said, MC, it feels like we're on the, like just the trailing edge of the, the eye of the hurricane. <laughs> and we're about to go into the outer, the outer parts of it. And it's going to get very, very rough. And <laughs> the, the storm will, will really take off. It really, all the stuff that you just mentioned, what that's going on and just giving a quick snapshot of all of these different uh um you know crises all across the world in different areas i mean it, it's really like a perfect storm coming together and as you mentioned i think when you're in an environment where the population is so polarized and it and i feel like you know the united states for sure and other countries might be similar that the population is almost set up that regardless of what happens, there's going to be chaos and a crisis, regardless of the outcome of, of, of the election. And then you've got, as this is going on, the border crisis, you've got wars across. And of course, all of this stuff costs 
money, funds, uh, every single one of these aspects. So it's so uh, and and a lot of people they think, well, okay, you know, I'm in my town where I live and I'm running my business or I'm an investor. What does this have to do with me? Well, <laughs> all of this stuff leads to currency creation. I mean, wars are inflationary. Um, yeah. You're going to create more currency units. Um, and of course, great money laundering back to defense contractors and back to the stock market, their stock inflates. Um, you've got the, I mean, my the migrant crisis or the border crisis, um, the illegal crossing there, that seems to be, I mean, um, just a sneak peek. I didn't even really look into it. It looks like that's a massive industry where massive amounts of money is being made right now by a lot of different people. So the government's doling all, all these funds, it's going to NGOs and it's flowing through to people that, I mean, give them the cards, the cell phones, transportation, airline, hotels, I mean, uh, clothes, all these things. So it looks like that's an industry, but yeah, all these things cost money, which is going to lead to more inflation, um, your money buying less. Um, and eventually it looks like it sets up, um, you know, once the, once the juice is out, cause they're going to juice it in election year that eventually the, the, the rumblings are going to start, the cracks will appear and you're finally going to have that, that, that crisis breaking out in the, with banks and in the bond market and in the equity markets. What's, what, what do you, what do you see? I think that's a very accurate description of the overall environment. and. Uh, you did hint at it, and you're quite correct, that at the root of all this is, I mean, sure, you can say the root of it all is a rotten philosophy of collectivism and statism. Okay, that is at the root of it. And the problems in the colleges and so forth, which are indicative of this, the fact that the, the youth have been totally corrupted in the U.S. by uh, decades of uh, this kind of philosophy. But more in the here and now, it's what they're creating all this money. It's making it very, very hard for the average guy to save money. Let's say you put $1,000 in your bank account. You know at this point, and it's a fact, you're going to lose 10% of that in purchasing power by the next year. It makes it very hard to get ahead. So the poor are getting poor, in a, as a matter of fact, because they can't save to elevate themselves. Same is true of the middle class, but all this money that's being created is flowing into the stock market to hide from the effects of inflation because the stock market is, represents real things. So yes, the rich have been getting richer and the poor have been getting poorer. Absolutely true. And it's even worse, actually, in countries other than the U.S. because the dollar isn't toilet paper yet. But in countries like Argentina, yeah, the local currency is toilet paper. And this has uh, become sociologically explosive. And it just like, it's unpredictable where it's going to end. But I think we're going to see an explosion this year in the U.S. And it's going to center around Trump. Like I said, win or lose, half of the country in either direction is going to be bitterly unhappy. And they yeah. don't accept it. I mean, listen, I always look at the bright side. And the bright side is, well, maybe it'll delegitimize the U.S. government. Well, I'm happy with that. Because the U.S. government, frankly, no longer serves much of a useful purpose. In fact, it's never been anything but a parasite 
upon the society. And that's becoming more and more obvious. If the U.S. government disappeared, uh, this geographical area called the United States would be way better off. What's very interesting, too, is I see all these, um, and people have forwarded me some of these um, clips that's on different social media types, TikToks and Twitters and Instagram and so forth of all the, I would say, I mean, the millennials are getting old now. The gener What's the gener <laughs> generation behind them? Um, <laughs> you've got the, the, the generations following the millennials. Um, and the millennials too, they, everybody's posting these videos, but basically saying like, how do you, how do you even make ends meet? How do you get started? You know, they can't, they all, I mean, they, they all got the, the, the standard advice. They, they start working and now they have a job or they start somewhere they can make ends meet. So, and I mean, the millennial generation is, is even larger than the baby boomers. So you've got a lot of very, very unhappy people that are younger too. And then of course you've, you've, you've touched on the colleges. What, what's that, what that's done to the majority of them. Majority of them are on debt um, and got a lot of bad ideas, which they're not trying to get out of their system. So yeah, it definitely sets up like a, like a powder keg, uh, you know, ready, ready, ready to erupt. Um, but the one, the one thing, and like you said, on the bright side, I don't think that trust in institutions has ever been lower. No, <laughs> it was no, recently no. a poll that, I mean, it's the media, which was right at the top of, uh, of this. Cause of course they influence and influence people and generate ideas and plant ideas in people's minds. Um, I just recently saw too the layoffs that's going on there. Like the, it's, I mean, it's, it's just shocking, um, to see it. And I, I never thought I'd see it. We knew that was just, you know, propaganda constantly. Um, but they're done. And I mean, like a lot of the other institutions, the, the trust have completely, uh, uh, kind of went away. So it's an interesting environment for investors that you're, you have the storm that you're in. And of course, there's no trust established in the marketplace in institutions, which people have taken for granted forever, right? Yeah, well, the stock market, uh, that's where most of the money is hiding, because at least the stock market represents real goods. But um, I don't want any part of the stock market. Uh, I, I, really, I really don't, because it's been bowled up by all of this artificially created uh, funny money which makes it dangerous in and of itself. So where are you going to hide? And I've always been favorably inclined to, towards gold and silver and commodities in general, because at least they represent real wealth. They have their own problems as speculations, but um, that's where I am at the moment. Um, because gold is the only financial asset that's not simultaneously somebody else's liability. Uh, and also, it's a very private asset. Once you have it, it's cash in its most basic form. No serial numbers on it, even like $100 bills, which is not they are going to be going out of existence uh, over the next decade, if not sooner, because of CBDCs, which are a disastrous idea, but it's one that's gonna happen. And to speculate, um, I go in for resource stocks, gold uh, stocks, which are very, very depressed right now. I've, listen, I'm embarrassed to say this, uh, but I've been following 
mining stocks for 50 years and speculating them for that long. And there are a number of ways of looking at what's cheap and what's dear. But um, actually, they're at one of their cheapest levels in history. And it's a teeny-weeny part of the market. And if the uh, sentiment changes, it can do what it's done a number of times over my lifetime. Explode upwards 10 to 1. Some stocks going 100 to 1. A few might go 1,000 to 1. I personally own one of those. Personally own one that went 1,000 to 1. And I'm not talking over the course of a lifetime. I'm talking over a few years. <clears throat> so gold stocks... Other mining stocks, uh, I like oil, I like coal. Everybody hates them. A lot of oil and coal stocks, you can get 10% in current dividends. Is that a sign of risk? Yes, but it's also a sign of value. And I think oil and coal have a good future, which is not what everybody is supposed to believe. My favorite uh, is uranium, though. Uh, uranium is once again poked above $100 pound. And uh, whether you build a case from the demand side or the supply side, I think we're going to see an explosion upwards in uranium prices. And the prices of uh, uranium miners, which there are very, very few, uh, are going to uh, really move. <coughs> so what am I doing? That's what I'm doing. I have a few other things. I mean, miscellaneous speculations like shipping stocks right now. I mean, there's an ETF. I hate ETFs as a general rule. Yeah. But uh, there's an ETF I own for shipping stocks that's uh, that's got like a 12% dividend yield, selling it three times earnings, and it's at 40-year lows. Now, I can think of reasons why it can go lower, but yeah, that's, a, that's probably a good place to speculate. Yes, I know. If we have a war, and we will, a lot of ships are going to get sunk. It might go lower, but that's kind of my counter-cyclical bet on good times, kind of. I want to acknowledge one of our sponsors. Are you ready to ride the wave of success in the booming car wash industry? Tommy's Express Car Wash is the cutting-edge brand that is revolutionizing the way we clean vehicles. Demand for top-notch, state-of-the-art tunnel car wash is skyrocketing. Institutions are diving in head first, and the real asset investor is already a step ahead. They have a world-class operations team, and they're building a portfolio of Tommy's Express car washes that's on track to become one of the largest privately owned car wash portfolios in the United States. The margins on a stabilized Tommy's Express car wash are incredible. And accredited investors have the chance to join them on their adventure. Dave Zook, the founder and CEO of The Real Asset Investor, and his team are thrilled to share opportunities like Tommy's Car Wash with accredited investors that boost your cash flow, unlocks massive tax benefits, and get you set up for a lucrative exit just a few years from now. To learn more about the opportunities offered by The Real Asset Investor, you can reach out to them at info at therealassetinvestor.com. That's info at therealassetinvestor.com.
Com. There's a lot of opportunities, like you just mentioned, because it's it, it's funny when you look at things that are so over inflated, and you you mentioned the stock market. Um, you know, one of the things as as you're sh- sharing uh, what what you're up to these days and what you're personally doing to position yourself in this in this environment, there's a lot of stuff that's distressed and really really under undervalued, and there's a lot of opportunity in, in those. Um, and then of course you've got I'm assuming a ton of crisis investing opportunities ahead, right? What is your take on land, real estate, just as a general rule right now? What what would you share with, uh, you know, there's a lot of people looking at land, buying land in different locations and locales across the United States, in Latin America and Africa, um, and then also in real estate in general. Well, of course, the uh, real crisis center in real estate in the United States are office buildings. And uh, they're very bad right now. Uh, It's going to bust a lot of banks and a lot of pension funds that own these things. I think it's going to get much worse for all kinds of reasons. That's a whole separate discussion. Uh, But most people don't own office buildings, so perhaps that's irrelevant. Uh, Houses. You know, I've been reading things that um, might be a building of a trend uh, to do with all these migrants. Where are you going to, um, where are you going to put all these migrants? They put them in hotels. They put them in schools. They buy tents and put them in tents. Well, that doesn't work for more than a few. You know, you've got you've to have toilet facilities and lavatory. That doesn't work. Uh, so where are they going to put them? And, and I've been reading things from various local governments that say, well, listen, we're good people. We should take them into our homes. If you've got a spare bedroom, or it'll start out with a guest house or a, a vacation house, uh, and the government will pay you to put them in there. But uh, now you've got the worst kind of squatter. You're never getting rid of This could really happen. These people keep on coming. You got to put them someplace. So um, that's not going to be good for real estate in general. God forbid it ever gets down to uh, telling people you've got to put them up in a spare bedroom or in your basement. Uh, well, that's down the way. But that's the trend where it's going to. I know that sounds outrageous. No, no, no. Um, I was just going to add that this has already started in Massachusetts where they've asked people uh, to volunteer to house migrants. So they've already started this. Uh, I've even seen proposals, to your point. So it might sound to people listening (laughs) to this now (laughs) outrageous. I, I, because I, I try to read as wide as possible too. And, and when you read these government documents, it kind of gives you idea of the thinking. So it's not going to happen tomorrow, but the yeah. seeds have been planted and they're going to water those seeds. So you might, you might get this, uh, this to go mainstream, like, you know, in a couple of years, might be sooner than that. But I've even seen proposals for quote unquote an empty room tax. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. Stuff like, yeah, of course. I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors, Penumbra Solutions. Live settlements investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, 
but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. If you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing live settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions, at CashflowNinja.com forward slash life settlements. That's CashflowNinja.com forward slash life settlements. The password to access that webinar is Penumbra, all lowercase. Where are you going to put these people? And especially, it's said, and I think it's true, that rents... Uh, in the U.S. have already become unaffordable. And yep. as you get more of these penniless people, that you're going to have, well, this is a potentially explosive condition that nobody's really talking about. So getting back to uh, owning your own house, uh, you know, maybe it was one thing when you can get a 3% mortgage. And if you got a 30-year 3% mortgage a few years ago, that's not a liability. That's an asset actually, as as, uh, as rates go up. But uh, I think the smartest thing, any of your listeners who are in a position to do this, and if you're not in a position to do it, you should make sure you put yourself in a position to do it, is uh, get yourself a crib in a second country. Because I'm afraid the U.S. is going to be the epicenter of any kind of explosion that's coming. So, uh, the going gets rough, the tough get going. Now, you know, I think Argentina, out of nowhere, has become a, a prospect. It's very, very cheap in our, here in Argentina. In fact, it's so cheap, everything, it's embarrassing. It's free. Whether you go to a restaurant or looking to buy something, or that's a, a great choice. Uruguay is actually the most expensive, right across the river, is actually the most expensive country in Latin America. It's kind of a paradox. Cheapest, most expensive, almost identical cultures, actually. Uh, so those are two good choices. But, uh, uh, you know, most people don't want to go that far. They don't want to go to a different culture. They don't want to leave their friends, their kids, their parents. Maybe it's not realistic to, to give advice like that to people. I think it's good advice, but probably not realistic. At least have a plan B. So a plan B should be part of a, a wealth strategy. There's a lot of people listening, business owners, investors, and they're thinking about wealth and managing uh, their own wealth, and they're allocated in different things. And I know a ton of listeners have gold and silver, and a ton of them own probably some land and property somewhere and have other investments uh, in other businesses. Um, this is a bucket that a plan B bucket that I would add to an holistic overall wealth strategy, a crib somewhere else, uh, you know, uh, having some assets out, outside of where you live, uh, regardless of what country you're in. Um, you know, you, know, you don't know how the world's going to turn and you don't want to get caught on the on the wrong side of anything. So um, your, a backup plan is just uh, something that, you know, especially in a, in, a, in a turbulent environment that should be just prudent of, of any uh, anyone. Let me add something to that, MC. It's that um, <clears throat> as the uh, international currency situation gets more serious with the dollar being less and less accepted by foreign countries. I mean, forget about the Russians and the Chinese 
I mean, nobody really wants to have dollars. They realize that it's a hot potato. And they've seen what the uh, American government did to Russians, where they just basically stole their assets just because they carried the wrong passport. So you don't want, uh, and gold, you can transport it and you can store it abroad. Good idea. But um, Bitcoin, uh, I've been a fan of Bitcoin uh, very much since 2017, actually. And I like it because you can take your wealth across borders cheaply and without the knowledge of the bad guys. So Bitcoin should be part of your portfolio. I'm not talking about the various uh, alt currencies. They're all crap. I mean, speculative vehicles and very bad speculations in almost all cases. But uh, Bitcoin, I think, is is actually making the grade as a uh, proper currency. It uh, actually fits uh, all of the Aristotelian qualifications for a good currency, which we don't need to go into now. But yeah, I'm a believer, and I think you ought to have it too. Yeah, that's a great point to have something like that. It's very, very easy to transport and take with you. It's not like you're going to have to... uh, Scrooge McDuck, duck it and get a backup <laughs> truck for the gold that you need to move from A to, no, a to B. <laughs> as much as I love Scrooge and I love the idea of his vault, uh, <laughs> you know, back in those days, you didn't really think so much about the government stealing all your money. <laughs> Not so much anyway. No. Doug, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much again for coming on and just sharing your insights and as always providing so much value for all of my listeners and viewers. Uh, It's going to be interesting times. I look forward to catching up in the future to see how this uh, all unfolds. No, it's like a, it's like a marvelous soap opera opera on a gigantic scale. So can't wait to see what happens. And thank you to all of my listeners and my viewers for spending your most valuable resource, your time once again with me on the show. You can follow Doug uh, and read all of these weekly articles that he writes at internationalman.com. That's internationalman.com. And you can also listen to a podcast that he does on YouTube. And I believe they're on Rumble too. It's called Doug Casey's Take, where, where Matt Smith interviews Doug on a weekly basis. And of course, all of Doug's books is available on Amazon. I would just highly recommend the High Ground series. The books Speculator, Assassin, and Drug Dealer, they're fantastic reads. Would highly recommend them. Everything Cashflow Ninja is at cashflowninja.com. Until next time, live infinitely. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.